0: All right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and Josh. Hello there. And we're joined by a special guest returning, Tony.
1: Hi, how you
0: doing? <laughs> he has a photo this time. He's got a video picture, live and in person. Hey, last time I
1: was in my, my uh, friend's bedroom because we were moving in. <laughs> so I'm in my own bedroom. I got stuff set up. This door behind me, it's actually my vocal booth. It's so nice. It's nice, it's nice to have everything set up.
0: Everybody's moving. <laughs> well, everything. That's why my Wi-Fi is still garbage. I apologize in advance to everybody. <laughs> Uh, Today we're going to be discussing some of the Democrats' latest spending assignments. Uh, They passed that giant uh, bill in an effort to decrease inflation. We're going to focus on the green initiatives that they included in there and then also the IRS. So why don't we start by talking just about the EPA in general. If you don't know what that is, the Environmental Protection Agency, they've got quite a bit of unilateral power. I find uh, the three-letter branches of the government to be rather interesting. But what do you guys think on the EPA since they'll be the enforcement on this portion,
2: it is the one good thing uh, Nixon did. Uh, <laughs> you can go back and look at photos of the air in the 60s and 70s out among like any of the United States big cities, and it just looks awful. Uh, you look at some of the pictures of them, rivers and waterways, and they were just atrocious. There was no financial interest for the corporations to take care of them, so they just didn't. And a lot of living conditions have improved through a large part of the country for a lot of people because of a lot of, of the initiatives and policies that the EPA maintains.
1: Not even just that, but like the work the work that it provides too, I think is very important. Like it actually creates, you know, physical jobs for people to have. I don't have a whole lot on the EPA though.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll just, we'll start there. We'll keep narrowing it. Um, green initiatives, do we think they work? What do we think on them? I'll, I'll actually share the screen here in a second with just kind of the summary that the Senate put up. But what are your general takes on green initiatives? take the floor mr. Josh yeah I would
2: say a lot of it can come down to individual policies and how money is sliced up and what they're going towards because this bill obviously includes a lot of different things it includes specific grants for wow. local energy programs and making more efficient local energy grids along with fundings for electric vehicles to go to like, you know, manufacture subsidies on those ends to competitive grants that states can craft you know programs around and compete to see who gets Their slice of the federal uh, programs, which I find particularly interesting because I get the angle that these competitive programs help increase different, you know, takes of different attempts at the, you know, different approaches. However, at the same time, it also feels weird to have, like, if there is going to be a chunk of money being thrown around for these initiatives to not try to help all of the states and not have like, oh, well, 20 of the states get it because their programs are better than the other, you know, 30. (laughs) Like, come on, like, come on. Uh, you You know, they all need this, you know, monies to go towards these different initiatives. Yep. Uh,
1: okay, I am not gonna lie. I forgot the question. Can you? Uh, what, was the question again? <laughs> what, what do you think
0: about uh, like green initiatives in general? Because this isn't the first one that they've passed. Not the first one that they've done. We'll go through the specifics in a second here. But do you think green initiatives work? Like, when you say
1: green initiatives, you mean like uh, like the like laws that we pass for companies to essentially like do better with their waste and and sort of things.
0: Uh, that would be included, yes, as well as like allocations of dollars for like what josh was mentioning with like uh let's say they put in like a charging port for like cars like they give them grant money Mm -hmm. to be able to do that things like that
1: i mean i think that there as uh, it's like one of those things where it's like it sounds great in theory you know but if it's not done well in practice then it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know what i mean like i think that having like certain sorts of regulations so that companies can't just you know do whatever they want with their waste that can't that change just confused me. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't ready for it.
0: Um <laughs> I was just, I was looking at this card, I was like, whoa, where'd I go? I, I actually didn't mean to add I, it right away.
1: <laughs> I think that, you know, if it's not done correctly, uh, you know, it's just the people the companies with more money are just gonna pay the pay the lawmakers or pay whoever they need to to just essentially keep breaking the laws and still get the benefits. Yep. And that's and you know that's why it's one of those things it's like we just need to kind of do away with, the, I think it all comes back. Like every topic that we will ever have, I can promise you, I'm going to find a way to blame lobbying on it. <laughs> every single one of them, every single thing that we talk about, I'm going to blame lobbying.
2: But and I think that's what you cause like the, the big, like, you know, a lot of people like, look at this is really great, you know, climate legislation and it, Realistically, is it's more the United States I think has pretty much ever done in the past. But at the same time, if you dig into the bill to get Joe Manchin's vote, how they bought him because they bought Joe Manchin, and because Joe Manchin was bought by you know lobbyists from the West Virginia f- um, fossil fuel industry. Every time they want to, kind of hand out funds in one of these uh, different ways that the legislation set up, they have to auction off credits f- to allow companies to pollute the atmosphere. So, they can't even give money without holding money to or get, you know, holding an auction to off to the highest bidder who gets to pollute the planet.
1: And to me, that's so insane.
2: Yeah.
0: That didn't change it the way that I meant it to.
1: (laughs) So, I I think, like I said, theory, good, practice, bad.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's pull this up so that for the people who are. Watching there we go. Now you can still see our lovely faces through the live stream Uh, So this is not the bill But this is like a summary that they put up a kind of where their money is going So we here we have methane emissions reduction program Uh, in total. It's thirty five point five billion And I believe this is over ten years. So if this was the funds for the ten-year plan It's not as much per year as it sounds uh, see Methane Emissions Reduction Program that's going to provide 1.55 billion to EPA to issue loans, rebates, contracts, and grants to help other, uh, to help the oil and gas sector reduce methane emissions. You've got the Greenhouse ga- Gas Reduction Fund that's going to have 27 billion, climate pollution plans and implementation grants that's going to have 5 billion, environmental and climate justice block grants going to get 3 billion. Um, the Climate justice is always an interesting term to me, but that is, if you're curious, uh, it's going to be competitive three-year grants to states, tribes, and municipalities, and a community-based nonprofit organization for financial and technical assistance to address clean air and climate pollution in disadvantaged communities. You've got three billion going to cleaner ports. You've got one billion going to cleaner medium, uh, cleaner medium and heavy-duty vehicles. You've got 250 million going towards uh, environmental product information program, 60 million going to the Diesel Emissions Reduction Act or DERA, 40 million to efficient environmental reviews that's designed to improve efficiency in environmental reviews you've got 460 million going to clean air and climate grants 250 million going towards green federal buildings i'll just pop us right here for a second green federal buildings anytime that they offer like some kind of an initiative for like the the including of of buildings, like California did something similar, which was they're going to give people subsidies to put solar panels on their house. And what most people don't think about is that after like, what Josh, 10 years, those are trash and then they have to be replaced. It's like less than 20 years. But I mean, that's, that's not just money that goes away, but also what do you do with... The, the things that are supposed to be cleaner energies that wind up you, you like they don't break down like it becomes one of the issues like same for like the lithium batteries like you can't just get rid of those batteries. So the EVs have drawbacks so when they pour money into these something that I think we need to think about is what is the trade off like yeah you're not doing as much in emissions at the moment. But but we got to look at the whole ecosystem of the climate change issue and not just okay we've reduced it by this percentage point to not have as many diesel or gas- based automobiles when we you know we, we up the issues when it comes to just disposing of batteries and EVs for example.
2: there's certainly an uh, interesting trade-off like mining to get a lot of the materials required to make solar panels in different ways poses a lot of environmental de- detriments. But usually, writ large, when you look at the long-term impact, because you know you think about the waste generated by you know the extra aspect of a, you know a lithium-ion battery and an EV, but at the same time, you don't go through how many quarts of oil and the little cartons that it comes in and the boxes for the filter and the filter throughout the car's lifetime. You know every. Three to five months, realistically, someone's going to be changing a little. So every single car produces one of those filters encased in plastic filter itself in its box, and then shipping that box from its manufacturing location to China and getting it across the sea. And none of that exists for the EV. Hmm. So there certainly is that trade-off. But most of these technologies, even with the trade-offs they present, are going to be dramatically better for the overall environment than our current technologies.
0: Well, my question to that then is, is that trade-off enough to offset the amount of ecosystem damage that's done mining for these essential rare minerals that they need for the evs because if you look at uh, where they drill for oil that has far less impact on that area in the environment than you have for like a lithium mine for example like it looks like the grand canyon when they carved that out they destroy the natural wildlife they destroy the natural beauty they just like all of that is just completely decimated oh yeah I mean, well, there's no
2: way to manufacture without consumption. Well, going sure, to and
0: that's that's why I'm saying like, what's yes. I I don't, and I'm asking because like I don't know the numbers like that that trade off. To me, it seems like it does more damage to do that than it does to throw away a a quart of oil container. But I
2: You'll could be wrong. Multiply that by it's several what? billion quarts of oil. I said multiply that by several well, billion sh- quarts of oil. Sure,
0: sure. But like also, I'm doing a comparison of like what the, how much we have to mine for one EV. For one, yeah. I was do, trying to do it as much of a yeah. direct I mean, one-to-one comparison.
2: Yeah. It's certainly a very catastrophic process for a lot of these mines, but they are still better in the long term. Um, wreck a few forests versus wreck the entire ocean.
0: <laughs> and and that there there is a point there with the ocean that you know when you have an oil spill, if they're not careful, right? Like if I don't know. But that can also be offset by having these pipelines, which we've shut down, instead of having them be transported through a barge. Tony, you looked like you were going to say something. Oh, okay. No,
1: uh, wait, wait. I think I think I had a question. I think I forgot it, and now you put me on the spot, so I got to think about All it. All right.
0: Well. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. How exactly do oil spills happen? Like, what exactly? Like for some, like some real life examples. How exactly do oil spills
0: happen? Like over the over Negligence the. Negligence at some level. I couldn't tell you exactly though. I
2: mean, it could just even be a case of. It could be. I'm sure, like negligence has caused some, like that. Just is going to happen. But at the same time, imagine equally more. Just someone eventually bad luck happens. You know, you're holding a piece of equipment. The deck is, you know, slip. You know, you wet. And you slip. I think it's knocked out of line. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's hard to say. I imagine each of them has a fairly quasi unique? Cards, but I know, I do know. Like, some of those boats occasionally go down. Like, because you'll see the images of where there's just that massive oil ring around, like a freighter going down or something.
0: Well, you've also got. I guess I would say, like, statistically, the more times you wind up transporting something, there's at least the opportunity for something to go wrong, right? And that was the argument for like why we needed some of these pipelines, because you're just shipping them, and they're far less likely to spill than the oil barges or whatever they're. And like, even on. if they
1: do spill, it's like. On the ground versus in the in the water where now all of it's ruined you know right
0: yep but then you know it poisons the ground so it's really you're trying to just pick the there's no one right right answer either
1: yeah yeah but think about it this way right like if you if let's say it was traveling through the pipeline right let's say there's sensors or whatever and the sensor goes off and the pipeline's broken so there's oil spilling right they can just shut it down and that way, they don't have to waste all of their oil. It's not sure. like, oh, there's a there's a crack in there's a crack <laughs> in the pipeline. It's just gotta keep going. We can't stop it, guys. I don't know, you know. But like, if let's say a barge goes down, right? Yeah. All of that oil, is, all of it is gone, and now yep. it's in the ocean. Yeah, it's
0: in the water. water. Yep.
1: Yeah, it, it's in the water. You can't ever yep. get it back. Nope. You can't turn it off. It's just gone in the water. You know.
0: Uh, the transportation part of this, they're doing low carbon transportation, construction materials. That program provides two billion to support domestic manufacturing. Uh, Dot uh, Department of Transit neighborhood access and equity grants. That's going to provide $3 billion uh, to state and local entities to improve multimodal transportation access and to mitigate pollution from transportation facilities. You got $100 million going towards efficient environmental reviews. Um, does, do any of you know what the reviews are off the top of your head? Because uh, to me, I'm thinking like movie reviews, and I know that's not right. So
2: it could be like audits.
0: Okay, that, that would make sense. Thing. Cause I was like, I don't um, know why we're putting this much towards a review, but that okay. Wait, how much did
1: you say was going towards? A
0: hundred million. But we also had reviews earlier. This is for like automobile audits.
1: So I was actually thinking about this while you were talking, right? Um, I, you can call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but whenever you were talking about like carbon, uh, like less carbon ways of transporting the oil. Uh, carbon reducing oil transfers or something. I yep. forgot exactly. Oh, low carbon transportation, construction materials. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about that, and along with the reviews thing, it really makes it feel like sometimes, uh, like this is why I have a problem with a lot of bills where they're just kind of like trying to throw money at a problem. Yep. Because honestly, it's not like obviously problems will require money, right? Like so, right. like solutions require money to have, obviously, right? But sometimes I feel as though they spend too much money because they're just trying to line the pockets of of, of people right mm-hmm. so like for the r- low carbon transportation construction that's two billion dollars for the reviewing part how much was that uh, 100, 100 million
0: 100 million dollars. for this part of the reviewing
1: right and so it's like how like why do we need 2.1 billion dollars to review a- and construction materials i feel like and maybe some of it actually <laughs> is for that money right, right. but i feel like he's- it's like, oh, that's a hundred million. We, I could take ten million of this here and yeah. give it to this person. Oh, uh, two billion, I could probably take a quarter of a million, take it here and give it to this person. Yeah, you know, and it just feels like, yeah, we're throwing too much money at a problem because we're just we're just giving it to the rich.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you say conspiratorial, but like it's not because we see that the way, like, I th- look at Chicago, for example, they're always under construction. I, I I used to live outside of that; we'd have to drive through it all the time. That was back when I was eleven. So we're talking, you know nearly 20 years ago this and this is just something that is perpetual traffic perpetual redoing and yeah, they're, they're not. They're not. They There's don't need. Thing, look thing at Tennessee. Tennessee does not need that long to do that. Chicago doesn't need that long. Like it's. It's just. I. I am convinced, and this is where I'm becoming conspiratorial. I am convinced that it is just a way for the government to send people out there and they pay them and then they pocket the rest through the taxes for yep. their own pet projects because they say, oh, well, we need the money for roads because they're garbage, but the people don't do anything when they're out there fixing it and the money goes towards other stuff. That's what I'm convinced nah, of.
1: I got. I got two <laughs> points for that one. One. That's how it was back home. For me, I'm from uh Middle Georgia, but like whenever you drive through Macon, I think it's like I-16 or something. That has been under construction since I was a little child. I'm currently yeah. 23, almost 24 years old. <laughs> I, I have distinct memories of going through to parts of Macon, and that part being under uh, construction. There is no reason for it to take that long. I guarantee, if you were to work uh, at least 12 hours a day, you could have it done in two months. They've been on it for like 20 years. Okay? Yeah. And two, I remember this one time. I don't remember if this was a true example or, or like a like a true thing that happened if it was just an example, but I remember once I was reading about something and let's say they were talking about, uh, they needed to get a road done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the first company comes along is like, Hey, we'll do it for a million. It's like, okay. The second company comes along. It's like, Hey, we'll do it for 2 million. Okay. Third company comes along. It's like, Hey, we'll do it for 10 million. The guy pulled him aside. He's like, why are you trying to charge me 10 million? He goes, here's why, because you pay me 10 million. I paid the smaller company one million to do it, since they already said they'd do it for one million, and then we keep the nine million between us and we pocket it.
0: I've heard that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean that—that's effectively how our government does things. And here's another way that it's wasteful, and this is anecdotal, but it's a personal example that I have. So where I live is right on the corner of a street, and the the corner cement like where the sidewalk meets the asphalt of the road was all broken up because it's old and they had it on both sides of the street one is on the corner that i live on and they sent a company out there uh this week to fix both sides they sent five people out one person is driving the little excavator to like break it up and move the stuff around four people stood there doing nothing my ring alarm went off and said there's someone at your door because there was two guys sitting on my stoop in like their blaze orange vests not doing anything and the company's paying them to do that and that is how inefficient our government works they take our tax dollars and half the people just don't do the work then either when they're contracting under them
1: okay wait i, I hate to be that guy but i've done a lot of construction work and i know i know that's how it seems i promise you i know that's how it sure seems. go
0: ahead yeah go ahead.
1: but sometimes there is literally quite nothing like literally nothing to do yeah it's like you everyone has to wait for that one guy to do something so that they can, it's like, let's say they have to wait for him to break it up, so that they can pick up the pieces manually and take it to the to the to the bin or, or the or the dumpster or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, because it's a heavy piece of machinery, you can't be anywhere near him, sure. right? That that yeah. is a clear safety hazard. So you have to wait until he is completely done before you can do anything else. It's not like, and it's not like, uh, you know how like. Uh, like low-wage jobs always say, well, I don't have anything for you to do, so go find something to do, or I'll find something for you to do. That's not That's not how it works on construction sure. <laughs> sites. On construction sites, it's literally brain-dead labor, yep. where they, if you are not given something to do, you sit there, yep. and you wait until you ask your su- supervisor. If they give you nothing, you sit there and wait. Yep. And those are the moments that you that you pray yep. for, honestly.
0: And, and just to be clear, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the way that those people did it. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that I that think worked. that in general, the government – you could apply this, this is on a local community-based level, and you know what, if it's the taxpayer dollars going to fund people who are doing an honest day's work, have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when we upscale this to the federal government, what they do is they overpay their buddies to sit there and do nothing or to do some busy work that doesn't require the amount of contracting money that they're saying it does, like in your story. And then they do sit around on something that maybe doesn't need to be brain dead labor. But they're, they're still taking the tax dollars and putting it towards something that's inefficient. And I think the inefficiency argument still is going to sit there because the government is just largely inefficient. I sometimes think
2: we forget the the scale that we're working with when we talk about United States government programs. Because if we look at that $100 million uh, you know, per year, because I think this document we have shows the, the yearly spending and yep. not the total spending. Um, not that the document itself says anything about that. So shame, shame, whoever came up with this document of switching the time frame of, the, of these figures and having to make much less sense. But look at that $100 million. So then we break that down. So that's $2 million per state. And you're not going to break that down, you, you know, evenly because you're going to need more people out in California more right. people out in New York and stuff like that. So that's $100 million, $2 million per state to possibly review how many applications for every single construction project and every single road project or something that's going to be digging up part of a road that then be, you know touches the EPA's oversight and they have to go through and look at the application for it, possibly send an order out there. And you think you got to do that for $2 million average per state. Mm. That's not a lot of money to even employ Let's say ten workers at an office maintain an office space and pay them to go drive across the state they live in, stay in hotels, eat whatever they're going to get reimbursed for. Because you're not taking advantage of these workers, that's a lot of you know money for the government to spend. You know, going out and auditing and reviewing all these constructions, and it's real easy to spend a hundred million dollars on a nation you know nationwide project um, and not do it with that many you know employees. So. I think with a lot of these things, when we actually look at them, and you know, you can see the type of impact they'll make. And it's like, you know, it's not a you know particular ton of money. Even when we think about you know three billion dollars, Microsoft bought a video game company for like sixty, what seventy billion dollars. They bought Activision yeah. Blizzard for a video game company. Got bought for twenty times this Department of Transportation grants. That's insane. So the economy and the amount of money we're working with is just really big and you're never going to see you know very small you know government spending projects unless they are working on something really small like a extra 40 million dollars here or there for a government office just <laughs> isn't a lot of money.
0: Which which is fair. I'll give you that. Also, just a quick side note for anybody who's watching the live stream, that document is linked below if you want to go and read it more in depth. And also, if you're listening to the audio only version, that's linked in the description as well. So I've provided those for you. Uh, but back to Josh's point, I agree, like in the grand scheme of things, you're not looking at that much money. But here's the problem that I have. Every dollar that the government spends on a project is our tax dollars. They've taken it. And in theory, they're supposed to be putting it towards something that benefits us. And Josh, your point is still fair that it's going to be not necessarily equally distributed, but the problem that I have is, let's just look at the concept of climate change in general, they're trying to reduce our carbon emissions, if we went to net zero, completely just no carbon whatsoever, which they're not even shooting for, you would slow this down by less than, like, I think it was like a tenth of a degree. Which means that no matter how much money we're putting into it, I am not convinced that the benefits, long term, are being affected in the amount that we're pouring into it tax-dollar-wise. Even though I do understand that that money is looking big picture at the federal government, not just like a single person spending, you know, $400 billion. But it is still $400 billion of taxes that is not actually causing the solution that they're claiming that it will.
2: I mean, I don't think anyone admit thinks that you could stop climate change anymore. It's become far too late for that. It's baked we're just into the cake with, at this point. You're right. We, we, so we're, we're perpetually mitigating how terrible it's going to be and how many hundreds of millions of people might be displaced and tens of millions of people might die. You know, we're talking about a, what it will become a global catastrophe. It will become the only thing we talk about as more and more of the world becomes quite literally uninhabitable because of our mistakes. Which, and there's no going back to it. So... I think when we come in 30 years, we'll look back and say, how could we have ever thought our arrogance could allow us to do so little? Because when we see the catastrophe we will have wrought, it will be quite literally unimaginable. And I think that's why we struggle with this so much right now is we just can't comprehend the amount of damage we've done
0: a lot of the climate change models though, don't account or actually I don't think any of them account for the innovation and so for example when you look at some of the seawalls that have been built in the lower south for hurricanes they've actually like Louisiana has improved the amount um, that they can withstand from the climate change with the stronger storms because they put it into the, like their infrastructure and like building up things that will protect the cities and I'm surprised that none of this bill goes towards anything for seawalls or anything uh, for like nuclear uh, I think part of the bill goes towards nuclear so I can't can't say that doesn't go towards nuclear, but you know, if we're trying to like really get off of this, I'm surprised that we're not putting lobbying. more into those two. You're saying it's because of lobbying?
1: Yeah, hey, I'm blaming everything on lobbying. But I, it's, it's what you got to do.
0: But like, there, which. I could understand except they are putting it into less efficient forms of the quote-unquote greener energy because like you know, wind solar those are not as efficient as nuclear would be so why are we allowing the lobbying to tr- why is lobbying allowing those to be traded off but like they wouldn't let nuclear
1: i think everyone uh, uh, i think everyone always has a bad taste in their mouth about nuclear
0: i swear people I, are I, pretty I, ignorant I, with nuclear <laughs> uh,
1: like people think like they hear nuclear oh World War II, ah! <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying cold the war. Soviets like, are like, coming on gun like uh, like to the bunker comrade like you know, <laughs> you, you can't get away from it so I think that that like that's why other that's why nuclear is always you know like frowned upon because the lobbyists essentially don't they don't allow people to get educated about it and even if it did it doesn't matter because that, that I think nuclear would kill their profits much more than anything else would. Mm. Right. Like you yourself said, I believe, uh, you know, the less efficient forms of greener energy, right, solar and wind, they're less efficient. Right. But nuclear, uh, once you actually have it built because, you know, and you get all the people trained, you know, obviously you don't want uh, you don't want uh, uh, unqualified people in that field. Right. Sure. But once you get all of it trained, it's the cost is lower, you know, but we look at quite literally four examples of, of any kind of nuclear activity in history. And yeah. we swear off of it, yeah. even even though the amount, of, even it taking those four atrocities, right, and two of which just being uh, unlucky, right. Yeah.
0: But Are you counting Chernobyl? Because Chernobyl, because Chernobyl uh, was. And it, I mean, that, we can we can chalk Chernobyl up to the fact that it was under the Soviets and he had a bunch of yes men who were trying to get things done the cheapest way possible. It's so like they don't have yeah. the same. So like, there's an issue with that. I mean. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I agree with you
0: saying, but like, oh, regardless,
1: <laughs> something bad did happen. Right. Well, so true. I'm, I'm counting Chernobyl, the reactor in Japan, and Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm, t- I'm counting because sure. we just think nuclear, we lump them all together, right. right? So we take those four things that happen, and we think, oh, yeah, no, we can't allow that ever to happen again, even though two of those were acts of war, should have been war crimes, honestly. One of them was due to sheer incompetence of, of, of Russian authority, and one of them was un- truly and utterly a natural disaster. It yeah. was yeah. unlucky. <laughs> that one was literally just unlucky. Something like that would probably almost never happen in America because Japan is known for its flooding, right? Yep. But, but the, the reactor really couldn't be put anywhere else. I mean, they could, but the same thing probably would have happened somewhere else eventually anyway, yep. right? Unless you put it super far in on the mainland, which kind of screws you out of the way anyway, right? Sure. But even if you take all four of those and you look at all the people that are negatively affected, it still doesn't even slightly, somewhat compare to the amount of people who are negatively affected by, like, you know, uh, natural gas and coal and
2: yada even yada. Even if you take the worst predictions, the worst assumptions about Chernobyl, like those insane claims there, like millions of people died because that of It Chernobyl. would have wiped out the, half of Europe. Was, yeah. Yeah, it still doesn't matter. It uh, does matter. St- still, still doesn't come close. 4,000 people a day die in China from smog pollution alone. They choke to death on the fumes of industry. 4,000 people every day, today, yesterday, tomorrow, and for the foreseeable future. 4,000 human beings every 24 hours will choke to death on smog because they're just polluting with those that's just a coal fire mine they're just pumping so much thing you know in the air it causes such an ex- such it's a not even how much their the cancer
1: it. it's not even just like how much they're pumping it's the fact that China is the has the biggest population in the, in the world it's like one of the biggest countries but just like every other populated country America included all of the people live in one place so you have a country with 1.4 billion people where probably about 700 million of them live in I think if, if I'm not mistaken I believe it's like 75% of the entire country's population lives on 25% of its land. I, I looked it at a video once. I Sounds I could be,
2: roughly right. for. I, like I could be wrong about that,
1: nation. like the, the exact numbers, but I believe it's 75% lives on essentially 25% of the land. So 75% of 1.4, almost 1.5 billion people live in a country that's probably the size of our eastern seaboard, right? So it's not even like how much they're pumping. It's the fact that they all live on top of each other. It's the same thing with India, which is... I could, I could, we need to have an episode about just India. I could go on for hours about that.
0: (laughs) So, bringing up India and some of the other nations that use carbon based fuels to modernize and kind of catch up to the rest of the world, one of the things that can come as a result of, the U.S. limiting themselves is fine, but like especially when we start looking on the global scale and they're like, nope, sorry, I know that the U.S. and China all of them, we've already benefited from this, but now the rest of you can't. It does disadvantage those, and also the people who get most disadvantaged in the U.S. are the lower class, and this bill in particular, just putting the tax dollars towards the EPA and things like that, on its face won't necessarily, I don't think, damage them. But for example, when you have members of the current administration coming out and saying the point is that we make this hurt so that you'll switch over, not everyone has the financial socioeconomic capability to be able to live that that's that's and and there's a problem there that it's not as accessible but that is the reality so my question then is who winds up getting pinched the most and to me it seems to be the lower and the middle lower class because they can't afford the new and more efficient teslas and things they get stuck with the crappy cars and they can't afford the heat um like the natural gas heat Uh, In the winter, that affects the Midwest hugely uh, because, you know, it gets really cold. I just came from that area. It gets very cold in the winter and limiting those and making that accessible, people will freeze to death.
1: I think that I think issues like this kind of need to be broken down to like you could say a a couple different versions of it, but kind of just in one of two ways. And that's the bigger picture versus the smaller picture. Right. Right. before I get on to that I think that like yeah yes it's gonna affect lower class and middle class more right literally everything does except True. for things like the French Revolution and the Russian <laughs> Revolution right outside of where they literally took the, took their rich and powerful and hung them and, and guillotine and put them in the guillotine it always affects the lower class more every, sure. every action in history yep. right also because it has to it kind of has to. Because there's always more lower and middle class than than wealthy people, right? So, like, whatever it is, even if it negatively affects rich people, it's still going to negatively affect everyone else more just because of, like, the numerical value of it. But uh, the reason I say that the bigger picture versus smaller picture thing is because... Yes, I would say that it it would negatively affect people and, you know, even poor people here, but like people in countries like, let's say, India and the poorer people in China. Right. Like uh, not allowing green um, uh, natural gases and coal and yada, yada, yada. Right. Not allowing those kinds of things, but also allowing those countries with the biggest populations, just those two alone have almost three billion of our almost eight billion population to allow them to just to keep essentially doing whatever they want to do is not only affects the other 5 billion human beings, but also affects the other billions of human beings who will be born and who, who will exist at some point in time, assuming that we haven't killed ourselves due to climate change yet. Right. So it's and, you know, it it, it sounds like that's another instance of us trying to be like the world police and, and house all the world power. Right. It is if oh, it affects the poor people in this country, but it, it it only matters when it's talking about something that we're that 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 affect that affects us, right? We don't care about the poor people in Africa who are being trafficked, right? We don't care about the ethnic cleansing in China going on, right? Like we don't we, we don't we, like we we like to pretend a lot of these are a lot, okay. Let me Fred not pretend some of us do, but we're <laughs> ignorant about a lot of things going on in the world, right? So I won't say that we pretend that we don't know because not everyone knows, but we are ignorant about about a lot of the things going on in the world, right? Generally, we, like as a, as a whole, not individually, but as a whole, we don't generally care about too many people's problems as long as it does, if, it, if there's no benefit in it, and that benefit being profit, of course, for us. Right. So I don't see why it would be any. The only instance that I could see is that if we were to try to change something in India and China, and this is the only reason that I think it's ever brought up as a, as a talking point, is because a lot of our manpower is in those two countries. Right between the immigrants who come over here and do things like, and I'm not trying to stereotype, please just stay with me, but becomes uh, due to like the immigrants who come over here from those two countries who do things like uh, become the doctors, the engineers, the the scientists, right, all sorts of STEM fields, right. Uh, between them and then all of the physical manpower that we have for people that work in the factories in China and the people that we have on th- things like uh, service lines in India, right? That's the only reason why I think that these two countries in particular are brought up as talking points.
0: So let, let me ask you this. Then, When we had like the Paris Climate Accords, which was the larger nations who have been developed through uh, the use of carbon things, and now they're trying to police. You said that that's us trying to be the, carbon, uh, be the world police, and it seemed like you were saying we shouldn't do that. Do you think that something like that shouldn't be happening then? Or were you fine with that? That, that which which. I were think going? that if
1: we're gonna police the world in certain aspects, then we need to like actually police them because we can sit here and talk about India and China all we want, but sure. like America can't and won't do anything about
0: them. No, and China is right? the largest emitter, and we can't get them to sign on with anything. So well, this yeah, this and is literally just literally with, do whatever they want. And and this bill does just deal within the U.S., so we can even stay within yeah. the U.S. to talk about whether or not this is good for us. Yeah. Is this a good use of our tax dollars? Something else in here that's not on that that sheet Uh, but is in the bill, is they are including penalties for companies that don't meet their green standards, so they're setting an incentive structure for companies to do more with EVs, even though they're not quite as efficient, um, and for them to basically set penalties for um, the companies. They're they're saying that they're putting these, whether it be a tax or a fine or what have you, if they don't have a good enough score, a green enough score, but companies don't bear the brunt of that. They pass that on to the consumers. So, and this is why I brought up earlier that that affects the middle and lower class the most, because um, even if we're not doing a a number because i I think it's fair what you mentioned tony that there is a greater number but even on a one-to-one comparison let's say it costs more someone who doesn't have that money is going to be less more affected than someone who who has a huge net worth portfolio, which means that when we have inflation, that individually disproportionately affects middle and lower class, not just because of them making up the majority of the demographics. So my concern then goes to the fact that when they include penalties for these companies, those companies are not going to have their bottom line be... In infringed upon so they pass that on by just jacking up their prices and passing those penalties on to the lower class
1: yeah that that was one thing I saw when I was researching it it's like okay cool you know like everyone always talks about like you know taxing companies more and taxing rich people more and I I agree with that for the longest time but as I got older as I got wiser I was like you can't really do that. Right. The only way that you can do that is if you pass other laws that's pretty much like hey, we're going to jack up your prices. But if you touch your prices, then we're going to then we're going to keep fining you, right? Like that like you have to essentially either A incentivize the companies to not fire their workers or raise their prices or B punish companies yep. for firing their workers or raising their prices if they try to do that after you like let's say tax them more.
0: Yep. And right? if you and if you punish these companies, then you kill any form of innovation because capitalism requires risk and no one will take on that risk if there's no reward. So if you fix my prices and you remove my capacity to move with the market, then I will just get out of that market. And that's what we see happening when they try to fix that because the only way you can do that is through like a communistic structure, uh, like we see in China where they fix that. And then you drive down innovation. The only way you you can fix that then is if you remove the free will by telling people, no, you're gonna do this. So like it becomes, the more they do this, the, what they're setting up for, I think, is more government involvement. Tony, you mentioned earlier that the government uh, at times will almost create a problem and then put money towards it. That's what they're doing here because you know what they turn around and they say during election time? Well, those greedy mother effers, you know, they come out, they pass the tax laws. They created the problem, the companies respond, the politicians come back, and it's a perpetual cycle.
1: Yeah, I I I've realized that about for, uh, for a while. That's why I don't consider myself on the left or the right because I think that in terms of political parties, I think both the Democrats and the Republicans, I think they're both idiots. Yeah. Because the problem is the problem is is let's say there is a legitimate issue. No one's making up an issue, right? right? Let's say the Civil Rights Act, okay. You have one party that says, no, we're not for this. Then you have the other party that says, yes, we're for this. And then they just sit there and they just keep butting heads back and forth. Like someone on the left could make a good point, but the, but the person on the right will disagree just because the person on the left made the good point. Yep. Right. Yep. And it just feels like it's just back and forth, butting heads. Yep. Uh, one The, party, the party's um, the power changes like one party gets the power. It's like, wow, we're going to do so much better than those last idiots in power. <laughs> and they get power and they have the power. Then they lose it. Yep. Dang, you, those idiots had the power for the last 30 years and they still haven't done anything. Now you got to give us the power. Yep. and then. But but it's not like it's a, a power like 90%, 10%. No, it's, it's always like slightly more than 50. Yep. So the nothing ever gets done. You just get in a permanent gridlock and literally nothing can ever get done. Meanwhile, we're making it every day of our lives are making it harder and harder for like us to be able to have children. You know, like To be able to have a world where our children can live up and Essentially live a full life the way that my generation can. Yep. And they've and then that's debatable. Yeah. Um
0: because I'm only 23. so. Well, and on on the note of what you were just saying, Tony, like I think that people need to bear that in mind as they go into the midterm season and as they vote, like, you know, vote with who you're going to vote for. That's fine. But keep in mind that right now the Democrats are claiming that they're being obstructed, but they're the ones who hold the power. And last time- they held the
1: power for so long too.
0: (laughs) The last time that they didn't hold the power, Donald Trump was in office and the Republicans were the ones saying that they were obstructed. So this cuts both ways, but currently it is the Democrats who are just using this to drum up their votes. And that's why they passed these bills is because well politics the more problem the fewer problems you can solve while in office but you can also maintain the image of i'm trying to fix these problems the longer you get to hold on to your power and that's really all that they're doing and that's that's why a whole
1: lot of that virtue signaling with the roe v wade nonsense was so annoying like what people on the left saying it's like y'all could have codified this so long and you chose not to please stop stop talking that like you yeah. had the chance to fix it and you chose not to
2: because like like even now there's only you know there's that narrow 50 you know 50 vote hold that they have yep. so they can be obstructed in some ways because you know they can't close the filibuster they, can. they can't spend new money and they can't sure. raise taxes very easily yep. you know but well just, like, not entirely up, true <laughs> not, not that entirely, last like, part <laughs> you can do through, yeah you can, you can do it through the reconciliation act yep. like because if yeah which is limited um, to your credit but they can still do it because they well, just. The point did. I'm tra- also trying to get to is when Barack Obama was first elected, they had a supermajority. They could have passed anything they wanted. They had the full Senate and full House locked down, could get over any filibuster. The Democrats had the power to make the world into anything yep. they wanted. And they couldn't agree on giving us a public option in the Affordable <laughs> Health Care Act. Like, like, when we're hoping for like public medicine and they can't even give, they, they won't even let us pay them for medicine. Mm. They're like, no, you still got to get private corporations over. Yep. Like. The you're both like like so incredibly right on the like maintaining the status quo. Yeah. Um people are afraid of the, to change. There's a great, yeah, there's a great uh, author who I read about in a lot of my like mass communication readings, a fellow by the name is Stuart Hall. Mm-hmm. He came out of British Cultural Studies movement, there's a lot of linguistic studies. And one of his books is called Policing the Crisis, and it just looks mm-hmm. about how and there's a lot of if you go and look at contemporary research into authoritarian systems, one of the things you'll find really strongly through all of the literature is that these Political parties, regardless of where they're from in the world, whether they're in the south or in the north or in the east or in the west, wherever across the world, they look to manufacture crises and make the world seem as if they're the ones who the people need to make a difference and make something possible. Yep. They justify themselves by creating these problems or creating the appearance of problems, um, and acting like they're the ones running to the aid. And it's not even that they're deadlocked, I'd say. It's I would say for most of our sitting politicians, they don't want the status quo to change. Yep. Like, they're all extremely wealthy. They're all friends with extremely wealthy. The current system, what we're going with right now, works extremely well for the extremely wealthy. So they don't want nothing to change. They they like it exactly as it is.
0: Well, and on that note of the wealthy, let's talk. Briefly about the IRS, because they just did I think it was like 87 billion or something like that to go towards more IRS agents. and the reasoning for this was, we want to and they say this buzzword, we want to close the tax loopholes, which I'll get to in just a second here, um, but also they say that they're trying to pick up lost revenue. Now I'll give them that portion because the IRS does lose money by not being able to close in on it, but it's not exactly the way you think about it. Now when they say that they're going to close tax loopholes, all they mean and, and they also say the rich need to pay their fair share. The problem with that statement, both of those, is that there's no loopholes to be closed. You can change the tax codes, but what happens is once you reach a certain amount of wealth in your portfolio, you become very concerned with paying the minimal amount of taxes that you have to. And you pay your um, your accountant and you have great lawyers to make sure that you are within the bounds. They've done nothing illegal or else they'd be indicted and charged and they'd be stripped of all their assets, but they find ways to... Write off the most that they can and to pay the least they can in taxes. So the only way that the Democrats could actually close those is if they change the tax codes. And what they just did in this last conglomerate bill um, of the Inflation Reduction Act was they basically made it so that the lower and middle class are going to be audited more. Not the super ultra-wealthy, none of your politicians, because they sure as hell are going to make sure that they're fine, and here's how we know this, and I've included uh, one in this link, the study that showed that basically you're more likely to be audited if you make under 200000 a year. So you've got I mean, that's hell. that's like middle upper class at that point. But the ultra wealthy that they claim to go after do not get audited in the same way. The other reason we know this is because Republicans proposed an amendment to this bill that said that you would not be allowed to use this new funding for the IRS to go after lower and middle classes. And the Democrats voted it down completely. So it passed and they wanted that left open. What that tells me anyway, and what I think is the reasoning for this is they don't want to be the ones who are audited they don't want the gaps to actually be closed with the people who have the wealth they just want to again string people along to thinking that i'm dissatisfied with my situation corporations the ultra wealthy they're the ones to blame but they never pass legislation that touches those people and that's my thought on that but i'm curious what you guys think
2: I think that amendment would have been bureaucratic nightmare. How could you hire on a whole bunch of new employees and then say, well, they can only deal with cases making them of this amount of dollar amount? Like that'd be a whole. I think it was symbolic, but, but. I mean, yeah, but that's like still a massive problem for the IRS. They have to then enter everyone into a database. Employees hired with this money, employees hired with that money, these employees hired with this money can only investigate these cases, and it's just like, no, they just need regular IRS employees. So they're not going to put special language into their contracts for. $80 billion worth of new employees over 10 years, which the IRS desperately needs, don't get me wrong. Um, it's like the IRS has been dramatic, has been losing a lot of agents and is gonna see a significant number um, of employees retire out here in the next uh, 10 to 15 years. Um, so they really do need to refurnish the ranks of the career personnel who work at the IRS. Um, but it does seem to be pretty off the walls to have a piece of legislation in there that would then stipulate like A supervisor reviewing and keeping track of which employees were hired when and with what government monies, so they could assign out which cases they're allowed to investigate. That's just that that's bureaucracy there.
0: It's a fair point. I, I understand where you're coming from with from that, Josh. I think to me, it does bother me, though, that the when when you have the theory and you have the application. And this still stands despite despite the fair point that you raised with the bureaucratic nonsense and the bureaucratic nightmare that it would be, but they are not, the IRS is not going after people who actually have the money that would be able to fund these bills. They go after the people like us who don't have the funds to fight the IRS when they accuse you of something. And they bury you in legal fees. Like the IRS is the only federal institution where you are essentially, if they accuse you of something, you're guilty until proven innocent. Everywhere else they need probable cause. But the IRS basically just has to say, here's the problem, and you have to fight to prove that you're innocent. It's not the other way around like it's supposed to be. You you are basically stripped of your innocence until proven guilty.
2: The IRS usually preemptively has evidence that you've cheated on your taxes, though, because your employer reports your income to the IRS, and so if you file a fraudulent tax return that doesn't match what you know all the different tax forms that your employer sent the IRS, then they're going to know you're underreporting your income. The problem, and the both the uh, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Janet Yellen, and uh, the current Chief of the IRS. Um, have pointed out though, what really comes in down to where a lot of these taxes that are being avoided and it's estimated some 600 billion dollars doesn't get, you know, collect, you know, 600 billion dollars of unpaid taxes out there. And what the IRS primarily suspects is happening is that people who do not file income reports that are filed by their employers, so people who are making profit, uh, you know, stock options and different other non-wage income that's not being reported on like a 1099 or 1040, those things don't have a duplicate record that's sent to the IRS to let them know something's fraudulent. They have to do a proper investigation and check, say all of your corporation's records, track all of the checks from there, hop through any shell companies you've probably you know, set up to make you know, to hide your financial trail. and then the IRS can figure it out you're not reporting what you're making you know yourself. Versus, and part of the reason they do audit people who make less than $200,000 a year is because the boss sends you them the proof that you lied on your taxes. IRS knows exactly how much you make and that's why the IRS is capable of doing your taxes. But as Tony was pointing out several times now, lobbyists get in the way of IRS doing our taxes for us because they have all the information already. They don't need our involvement. They could just do our taxes for us.
0: TurboTax is a fraud. So that's true. Um, why? Tell me a little bit more about how the lobbyists get in the way of that. I'm unfamiliar with the specifics of how the lobbyists are the ones preventing that from happening.
2: Oh, they, they spend like hundreds of millions of dollars every so often on these gigantic lobbying campaigns. Like, in particular, it's Intuit who owns a lot of different okay. financial products, QuickBooks, Turbo, yep. uh, TurboTax. Um, But they lobby uh, the they've lobbied the government because there's a there's a law on the books that prevents the IRS from doing everyone's taxes mm. for them. And so then they have their fake free tax things, which you can actually get a proper free one if you go to IRS.gov. Yeah. Um, when it comes to tax season, you keep that in the back of your pocket. Yeah.
0: Um, you can also get done, them, I think, uh, didn't Hassan Minaj put together uh, something to help with that too?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a couple easy ways to do it. Cause if you go to the TurboTax website, like if you live in a state that has state taxes, they'll try to charge you for your state taxes. Yep. But if you go through the IRS's link, you get your state and federal taxes done for free. Okay. Um, but the reason all of it's like that for your tax return is that these tax return filing companies lobby the federal government for legislation to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, just so their industry can exist when the IRS has all of the data to do the tax information already. But so, and, that, and that's why, you know, like know said, you know, so the IRS has a ton of information on day to day workers, 1040s, and all those other paperwork. But these big corporate profits are much harder to track. Uh, and so, quite literally, hundreds of billions of dollars. I think the IRS, I think on the website, estimated it was like $7 trillion since the early 2000 has gone uncollected.
1: Like I said, it's the lobbyist <laughs> yeah. it really is. like other like other countries like their taxes they just have them done mm. it's just they just get it taken out of their check and they don't have to worry about it it's not done that way here because it's meant to be purposely difficult it's meant to be hard so that on the on, on the off chance that you're an idiot and you forgot or you don't know or you don't understand or you don't have the money to pay someone to do it they'll just throw you in jail for it yeah well, and it's not it's not supposed to make sense except for the people it doesn't make any sense except to the people that it makes sense. That's how how can Donald Trump and Bezos and Elon Musk not pay any money in taxes? They're not breaking any laws. <laughs> they are doing it completely legal. Yep. They're not doing anything I mean, it's morally and ethically wrong. Yes. They're not doing anything legally wrong. There's nothing they actually get the government to pay them money in taxes.
0: Do You know that? Well, yeah, well, I mean, one way that they could do that is if you can write stuff off and also if you have a loss, you can count that forward. Um, Although, although... I, I don't have a finance degree so I can't tell you exactly which sections these relate to but in the bill me segment that I did the part one that deals with the new tax reform that they passed they are restricting what can be counted as a loss and things like that so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out so you Tony you said that it's morally and ethically wrong can you tell me a little bit more about why you're saying I that mean, if, that it's if
1: taxes are supposed to be uh, if taxes are paid so that we can, you know, have money for our government and do things like fix roads, pay our teachers, pay our policemen, pay our governors, pay our state, any state representative of it, literally any level, right? And, you know, do things that we need as a country to not pay taxes is morally and ethically wrong, because that means that you're basically saying F your community. (laughs) Now, if you're not paying taxes, but you are putting money back into the community, like, let's say uh, Bezos starts, a, uh, a, a company that fixes roads, right? Sure. sure you could say it's a write off, but at, like it's doing the right things for the wrong reasons, but you're still doing the right things, right? <laughs> like the roads are still getting fixed, sure. right? Or, or like what, and whatever it, it may be for whatever example but if you're not if you're not putting any money towards your community and you're not paying taxes it's morally and ethically unjust.
0: Well, an important distinction on that note to make here is that your community only gets the taxes that are collected from let's say like property taxes. Like schools are collected through that. So when I pay federal tax and state tax, it doesn't go to that stuff. So that's the interesting breakdown on the taxes that it really you might have some stuff, but like it by and large your schools and like your community things are funded through property taxes and other taxes in the local area it's not done by the federal government it's not really done by the state level some state level things might be you know they're going to be funded through your state level taxes but i don't know i guess i'm more of the opinion that we should be collecting fewer taxes overall people should be paying less than taxes overall i should be going directly back into their pockets so that they can then use that as a way instead of i don't know these other proposals of like let's I don't know raise minimum wage like you could achieve the same amount um, with by just reducing the amount of taxes but i don't know i just don't think that the irs needs the agents to collect more taxes on the people who are already in the classes that are less likely to have those funds in the first place
2: it truly does play out because we can also even see like who the irs audits is ultimately set you know an agenda by the day-to-day agents it's always interesting you know the IRS is one of those agencies of where who is president day to day, isn't going to affect operations there. Like you don't expect much to, you know, change at the department of justice within the IRS, you know, FDA, mm-hmm. realistically too much when a new president, you know, comes in. Um, Cause you know, you're not going to, you know, the president's not going to come in and give an order, Hey, start, you know, doing this because most of what those federal agencies do and the work they're assigned and the things they do undertake is written out, um, if not very explicitly by Congress, very explicitly by one of the executive offices who wrote the rule that, which is a very interesting legal thing here in the United States, what a rule is versus a law versus an executive order. But when Congress passes a law and tells an executive department to do something, Congress you know gives the money and creates the you know creates the institution itself, and then says now you got to do something. But the law is a little vague, and it just says you should take this stuff and do. This work towards this goal. Well, the question is, well, then what's that goal? Well, then these nerds at the destination agency that's receiving the funds sit down and write out these very long briefs about what the rule is. And it tells people how to act behaviorally. And the rules run the federal government. Um, so it it is hard to know exactly what these agents will do, you know, are doing. The way the IRS has been talking, and the way the Treasury Department has been talking, that they're really focused on coming in and recouping these losses. They're talking about they're hopeful to regain, you know, an estimated three to four hundred billion dollars, you know, back, which realistically would dramatically pay for not only the climate legislation, but if we give the IRS eighty billion dollars over ten years, and they come back with hundreds of billions of dollars then, you know, that's making the government money and collectively dutifully owed taxes that are currently being underreported and misrepresented to the federal government.
0: Now, that would assume, though, that they actually put that money towards the bills that we're signing off on. It's like, hey, like, that's a good idea. Like, Josh, if you think that these climate bills uh, and these initiatives are good... I mean, unfortunately, the reality, though, is that the government isn't necessarily going to put the tax dollars towards that in the future. I mean, <laughs> they, yeah, they tend to... <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Uh, Tony, last thoughts on the IRS before we go into our hot takes and you give us your final, final thoughts.
1: I think that it's sh- maybe there is, maybe I missed it, but I think there should definitely needs to specify out of all of the new agents that they're hiring. I think that they need to specify that those, because people are going to be afraid that they're going to be coming for the average man, the, you know, I'd be middle-class worker or whatever. So I think there needs to be a, a, something that is specified that says, Hey, these new agents or whatever, who are going to be used for auditing are not going to be used for anyone who does not make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree uh, with that. I, I Josh think, thinks it's going I, to be a bureaucratic that- nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what Stop do you
2: well, just keeping up with who's assigned to investigate what cases and who's allowed to investigate what places, you enroll in the office, supervisor starts handing out cases and who's going to do what, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, you're a new hire, you can't investigate that person. I mean, but I do. feel like
1: that's not too terrible. And also, uh, the reason, now nah, Ryan, the effed up part about that, is, do you want to know why that wouldn't even matter? sure why my- because the thing about it is even if they hired all of the new agents is like okay all of these new agents they are not going to go after anyone who makes below this certain amount of money all they would do is take all of the old agents yeah. and now just put them on the case for, yeah. like all the money's people. fungible like, it, it, duties it, it,
0: are fungible like it, you're right yeah like it
1: it, do, it doesn't matter so i mean I, I i don't know i i cannot believe like there are not enough people that make above whatever the amount of money is that they're mainly targeting, right? There's not enough people above there for them to justify hiring that many new agents. I agree. So what it all it means is that they're going to be auditing more people, but the more people are not the ones that we need to go after.
0: Right. I th- I really think that what Josh is mentioning as far as them like selling like this is what we're going to recoup. I don't think they're going to recoup it because I don't think that they're. Lo- I think they're digging in the wrong spot. Uh, to quote Indiana Jones. All right, we will be right back with our hot takes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Central Hub for Political Discourse. <music> All right. remember that you can help us out massively by subscribing. We are getting closer and closer to 100 subscribers on our YouTube channel, so help us out uh, liking and subscribing and if you can follow us on our social medias, that also helps because then you know what we're doing when we're having wonderful guests on, some diverse thoughts uh, like Tony. Uh, Tony, I did put your last socials and such in the description below, so you guys should go and follow those. Are those still active and good? We were talking a little bit about TikTok censorship before we got on here. Uh, Are those still viable <laughs> yeah
1: um i don't know why but i got banned for a week um uh, i i was lit. i was like i'm going to cry if i get perma ban, bro <laughs> i just got unbanned i just hit 30k i can't do this i can't i can't even right now so i was literally sending and I, like i said i didn't break any rules so i was literally sending in <laughs> two to three tickets a day hey this is me again unban me please i broke no rules hey this is me again unban me please like literally just two to three tickets a day it's like i will keep going until you unban me this is this is ridiculous wow
0: all right. Uh, where can they? So you can find uh, between the just at Between the Liars. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, uh, and you can catch our live streams on f- our Facebook page, our Twitch page, and our YouTube page. Uh, Tony, they can find you on TikToks. What is the user handle for that?
1: Uh, Tony Talks uh, TikTok. So TikTok. Tony Talks, but not full TikToks, just TT. Okay.
0: Just like his name in the chat here. Yeah. All right. And Josh, you want to tell them a little bit about uh, the memberships that we offer if they're interested?
2: Yeah, you can support what we do here on our show through the membership program, which will give you access to our behind the scenes content, which is usually, as we were talking about, uh, Ryan referenced our conversation about TikTok, stuff, that is available in our Discord and other cool things that we do. And it is also, on top of that, the extra best step way beyond even just liking and subscribing to stay up with all of our content and make sure you don't miss any exciting announcements.
0: Yes. And uh, one special announcement to give uh, Ken Drew from Taboo Talkback a quick plug. He and I are doing a limited series. Series called Blueprint, where we basically imagine we, we we complain a lot about the issues we see with the government, but every week we take a specific topic and say what would we do to change this. So, for example, episode one is out now on our podcast platforms, so Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, you can that that first topic dealt with uh, congressional term limits started pretty uncontroversial. Like most people I talk to are like, yes, term limits are a good thing. Uh, and what we do is we actually pose this as like a constitutional convention. Like what could we physically do today as the people to execute whatever issue we're talking about? And so we just kind of brainstorm. So if you're interested in that, those will air Fridays on our podcast platforms and we'll eventually start live streaming those, S- having a very difficult time uploading those. No surprise with my criminally terrible Wi-Fi so stay tuned for those if you're interested and uh, we'll go back and I'll kick off our hot takes Okay, I'll try to make this short and sweet. Uh, I think that one of the issues I have with things like the green initiatives and like with the issues that the Democrats keep trotting out, especially in an election year, is that the Democrats are really twisting the facts to fit their agenda. Like it's not to say that climate change doesn't exist, but rather they use it to justify a bill that I don't think when we look at the specifics, attacks the issues they claimed that it did when they went to pass it. So then to me, it's hard to not sell that as a political ploy, just keeping themselves in power. And Republicans do it too, but this bill passed along party lines, so I'm going to pick on the Democrats. Uh, I think, face value, it is ridiculous to be spending $400 billion when we're in the midst of a recession. Like, I don't care what you're spending it on. They don't have the money, so they're going to be raising taxes. That's just bottom line what's going to be happening. It's going to affect all of us to a degree. It might affect you less if you're in a lower tax bracket, but you're still going to be paying more in taxes. Uh, This is probably um, the hottest take I'll give, abolish the IRS. And we don't have time to really get into that, but I don't think that a federal three-letter agency, any of them, uh, should have as much unilateral power as they do because of if they and they have this potential to go after people that just do not have, and we've seen this happen at times, they just don't have the funding to be able to fight it, and they don't go after the people that the Democrats say that they will when they give them that expansion. So I, being someone who likes limited government... I don't like a large government where they are responsible and voted in by the people. I don't like a three-letter branch that just is hired and unleashed on the people with that amount of power. And on that note, I don't think that Congress should be able to raise taxes on us with a bare majority like they just did. It should not be 50 plus the vice president vote to raise our taxes and then unleash the IRS on us to get it. And that's my last hot take.
2: Uh, my hot take is the IRS fearmongering has been one of the most hilarious thing, political things I've seen in my life. Just to like, uh, and I'm really going to like, so in the next five years, there's going to be 50,000 IRS employees who are up for retirement. Um, and that's just in the next five years. This plan to hire 86,000 new IRS agents, which wasn't even a part of the legislation. It's been an internal document at the IRS about their hiring protocols and what they hope to do over the next 10 years. So if they have 50,000 people coming up for retirement in five years, and they're hoping to hire 87,000 people over 10 years, then the question comes in to be that we actually might end up with net less IRS agents with our current hiring protocol than we have right now, which as there is a problem is a serious problem because right now only 2.2% of millionaires tax returns gets audited. Only 2.2% of millionaires tax you know, reports get audited. We're not investigating where all of the serious money is. And if the IRS and the Treasury Department's making a dedicated effort to make a change where taxes can be properly collected, you know, that are all we do. These are not even just loopholes. These are just people not reporting the actual amount of money they're making and lying to the government and lying about how much taxes they should be paying by the current books in the law. People are breaking the law. For average, small people just... Don't intentionally lie on your taxes. They're not going to give you any trouble if you accidentally mess up. They're going to send you a letter saying, hey, your, your, your uh, refund's been rejected. You need to file an amendment document. You're going to go, oh, oops, and then you're going to fix your form and send it in, and everyone's going to have a cup of coffee. Um, and the final hot take, uh, climate change is literally going to kill us all. Um, by the tens of millions of people are dying the, um, and the amount of people who are going to suffer, it's not even going to really be the fault of it. It's the fault of these imperial countries that developed their empires off the back of fossil fuels and destroyed other countries, not only the economies by extracting resources out of them, but destroying local wildlife, overfishing their seas and polluting their lands and taking and destroying rampantly. And these countries are going to be the ones who have the, ec- the economy to shelter themselves from the benefits and not pay the price of it, of the, eco- of the ecological wrath they incurred from our planet. And the answer is to this is, we can only make it a slightly bit better, but we're all still going to lose something dear. And I'll tell you this, life in society stops functioning at 50 degrees Celsius, and the closer we, and the more and more days we have closer and closer to that 50 degrees Celsius line is pretty frightening. We've already seen how devastating a 45, a 42 degrees Celsius day can be for a lot of Europe. Bump that up to consistent, maintained 50 degrees Celsius like we're going to see in 20, 30 years, and things are going to be awful.
0: What is that in Fahrenheit? I legitimately don't know. <laughs> you're speaking to degrees. Americans. There we go. Yeah, one, one, yeah. Oh, 100, 100, 100.
1: yeah. I just Googled it as he said it. Cause I was like, I sure I, I was like, I can do the math in my head, but I don't want to.
0: <laughs> I'm not doing that in my head.
1: It's, it's not bad. It's just 1.8 times. It's just, uh, 1.8, uh, times 50 plus 32. So what's two times 50. Uh, two times 50 is a hundred, 1.8 is 3.6. So that'd be like 96 point something plus 32. And then it's easy. Something like that. I'm close. Yeah. My hot take. Uh, I don't even know if I have a hot take on this one. I kind of agree with both of y'all actually, uh, basically disband the IRS or at least make it like, not maybe not even disband it, but put it on a state to state level. I could see that one working too. Am I muted? No, no. Okay. I just had to make sure. Cause my, my symbol was gone. So I wasn't sure. Ah, uh, the the layout changed, and I was like, "Wait, where's my symbol?" I, I don't know. Um, but uh, and I, I've I've been thinking about the climate change thing a lot. I really like because you know the older I get, you know, it's like okay, if we're gonna if climate change is really gonna kill us in by 2050. Let's say 2050, right? That means if I were to have 23, if I were to have kids right now, right at this very moment, that means that they wouldn't even live until they were 30 before essentially just life starts ending. But it wouldn't even matter if I don't have the money and resources to make sure that they can live the bo- best possible life until that point, right? So, and I think it's immoral to doom uh, an organism to a life of uh, to, to, a, to a life of death. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's to have a child right now, like knowing the position that we may be in, and even possibly will be in, is is morally ir- irresponsible. That's the way that I say it. I hope That's that isn't the case. And, and, I, and I hope that we can we can get this sh- situated, but uh, I don't know. All
0: right, well, Tony, thank you for joining us. It's always good having you on, and we will have you on again at some point. Remember that you can find Between the Liars on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Catch our live streams. We've got stuff on Monday or Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and Fridays. So follow us so that you can stay updated. And if you enjoy this show, we would greatly appreciate. A five-star review and help us beat that algorithm. Put us out there on Facebook. Share us with your friends. And uh, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Goodbye for now.